Yes, this is episode 510. Yes, No Laugh Track podcast here at Acme Comedy Company in Minneapolis, Minnesota. I am Justin Severson, the host. Sitting across from me right now is Mike Kaplan, who uh, we I saw his show last night. It was fantastic. We're going to get into that. He was here uh, just about a year ago and a year before that, and we are on a great streak of having Mike Kaplan here every 11 and a half, 12 months. <laughs> so thank you and welcome. Uh, thank you. I always love coming back to do this podcast, and uh, as a bonus, I, you know, I'll do some fun comedy shows as well, but this podcast is what it's really all about. Uh, I love it here. Uh, this is really, truly one of the best clubs in the world. I love getting to be here as frequently as I am, and uh, thank you. Thank you for having me. So we're going to get right into it here. For, uh, last night, set was incredible. Uh, we're going to talk about what you're working on right now. I want to compare it to what you were doing last year first. Sure. I listened back, like I normally do, I listened back to our uh, conversation from last year. That was episode, for people keeping track at home, 467. Mm. Last uh, August 2nd is when it was posted. Ah. In any case, at that time, I made a comment to you on the podcast where I, I pointed out that you were looking at notes throughout your whole set. Yes. And that uh, you were you had been on stage for like 45 minutes at one point and hadn't even gone through like a page and a half. Now, now let's go to last night. Uh, oh, and also uh, last year, there was interactions with the crowd. Yes. Last night, zero interactions with the crowd, zero paper, uh, no notes. It was just you coming out and going straight into the show. I loved it, but in, but completely different. Yes. Because you're working on what right now? Uh, thank you for asking. Uh, this is The show that I did last night is basically... Uh, the show that I'm bringing to the Edinburgh Fringe Fest in uh, just a just a couple weeks. It starts uh, beginning of August, uh, and I'm there all August, pretty much uh, maybe 25, 26 days in a row. I will do this show that I think last night it was a little just over an hour. I have to get it down to just under. It has to be 55 minutes maximum. Uh, so I need to strip out a few a few extra things, but otherwise it's generally you know. If I were there right now, I would do the show. I would talk a little faster, uh, however much I could. But yeah, I've been working on the show for uh, since before the pandemic. Right. Uh, and, you know, it, I've been, I don't, not only working on the show, but that's like the main hour of comedy that I've been, uh, you know, putting, honing the most in recent years. And so the plan is to bring it to Edinburgh and then to uh, return uh, probably to the United States where I generally live and then record it as my next uh, special slash album slash uh, what have you. Oh, you will. That's that's the plan. OK. Yeah. Uh, uh, you said 55 minutes. That's the goal. that's a hard rule there at that I, festival. I believe that they uh, they have shows, you know, kind of ev almost every hour, maybe every hour on the hour in different venues. So maybe they leave a little extra time to like get the audience out, get it, get them back in. But uh, they run a. A pretty tight ship because it, you know if even if one show goes if every show goes over five minutes then uh, over the course of a twelve hour period uh, one show won't happen but uh, yeah the in, festival's yeah. now two months long right? yes yeah. yeah I I mean I think it would just make everyone you know make the the people who are working hard work harder and be madder so that I'm gonna aim for what they ask for perfect. Yeah. Have you done it before? You've been there before. Right? I was there one time in 2018. I actually, uh, the album that I recorded here in 2019 uh, was the 
uh, conclusion of that process with I had brought that hour, the hour that became the album, AKA, AKA yes. I brought it in 2018 and it was called uh, All Killing Aside when I was there. Uh, and then the pandemic began before we released and we're like, let's call it something else. And uh, let's put All <laughs> Killing Aside aside and we'll just like abbreviate it, AKA, it'll be an AKA, it'll, there'll be a lot of extra bonus layers and meanings. Uh, but yeah, so I, uh, that was a really uh, fun and meaningful experience. My girlfriend uh, came with, and that was actually the first time that she really started uh, working with me on my comedy in a in a specific way. Where like she watched the show, you know, for weeks every every night, and she would uh, at first I feel like informally she would be like every once in a while like I noticed that you said this differently, you know, on Tuesday from, you know, the Monday before. And she would sometimes have like, uh, you know, me meaningful, strong opinions, but she's like, I think this way, like, I like this way. And if it was like, well, it doesn't matter to me, then I'll, I'll do the way that you like, you know what I mean? And uh, sometimes I wouldn't necessarily, so I'd be like, oh, I actually like doing it this way. And we'll sometimes have discussions about it. But now, like whenever she's at a show, whenever I'm doing like the show, that is like the main thing that I'm working on, or just in general, if she wants, she often just uh, has a notepad, takes notes, and we will uh, go over it kind of the next day. And she'll often just have new ideas that in the show that I'm doing now in particular, she is like, you know, a co-creator and like one of the main characters of and in the show. And so, Sometimes she will have ideas for like, she's like, that part where you say that I say this thing, uh, can you say it this way? Because that's the way that I say it and not that. And I'm actually the, the, the voice that I just gave her there is much harsher than, uh, <laughs> her, her voice. She is a, a kind, sweet angel and her voice is uh, beautiful and melodious and any harshness that I, it is my own doing. And I mean to extract it truly. There are moments in the show where we've talked about, she'll be like, can you try to like, think about when you're, when you're embodying me, you know, think about how you're embodying me because I am, I'm a, you know, a, a just a galumphing oaf, you know, of, uh, I'm like, ah, this, that, you know, I'm like, I'll, I'll do it louder than her or faster or what, or pointier, you know, isn't that funny when like, I'll like get that from my wife and I'll be like, that's what I sound like to you. <laughs> There's no way that's what I sound like to anybody else. So, no. so yeah, so she, in 2018, uh, took, she took some super valuable notes that, uh, the show became different and better, you know, because of her, her thoughtful feedback, especially because she's like, you know, other than me, she knows my work more, more than anyone, better than anyone, uh, super fans out there, except for you, obviously. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, sincerely, like she, you know, she loves me and she like, even before she knew me, she enjoyed my comedy. And so it's a real, and we have like a real nice complimentary relationship to each other because we're, we're different people. We, obviously we share uh, many things in common, but also there's many places where her different vantage point is valuable because, you know, from the inside, you can't know yourself the same way as someone can from the outside. And so we, now we have both of the perspectives. It's you know, do you ever see the movie The Negotiator with Samuel L. Jackson and I think Kevin Spacey uh, long ago? Anyway, it was about uh, two negotiators, hostage negotiators, who were... Uh, they were put at odds against each other. One of them, I don't want to spoil the whole thing. I will spoil as much as the preview spoiled for me, Perfect. which is that at some point in it, while they were 
going up against each other, something happened. And then we see one of them on the phone uh, talking to, I don't even know, but he's like, now you have to deal with both of us. And uh, that's actually something that didn't even appear in the movie and happened way later and was kind of a, a spoiler. Like, oh, I thought these guys were enemies. Now they're on the same side against some greater common enemy. Anyway, all I'm saying is that uh, I used to do comedy. I've been doing comedy over 20 years. I still do. I used to do comedy. I still do, but I used to too. I used to steal jokes from Mitch Hedberg. Now I, okay. But, uh, <laughs> gonna say yeah uh, 100% <laughs> in homage in homage well I, done well done <laughs> I used to love Mitch Hedberg I still do but I used to too there we are um sure. posted it I post that on his birthday every year uh and it, it feels good so it. the point is uh, I used to do comedy only on my own I write it I perform it I think it I do it uh and now with Rini in my life now you have to deal with both of us <laughs> couple things yes will you have I've so I've uh well I've I believe I saw her, saw her in the club last night uh, when I went to use the restroom. I, I think, think you're I, right. I think I caught uh, her recording, which, you know, you're not supposed to be <laughs> recording in the club. <laughs> That's so. And then uh, I thought, okay, there must be an exception for someone special here, and clearly there was. <laughs> um, will you ever, uh, and I've heard her voice on your podcast. Yes. Uh, have you ever brought her up on stage? What a great question. Uh, thank you for asking. I I have not yet, but we, I did the show in Los Angeles, uh, about a month ago and my friend, Erin Judge, who opened the show, she's a super funny comedian. I just listened uh, to her on your podcast. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. Erin, thank you for listening. You do a lot of research and it is appreciated and it shows you are, uh, you're a hard worker. Thank you. Uh, of a podcaster. It's hard, hardly, what does it even mean? But uh, yeah, Aaron, one of my dearest, oldest friends in comedy, started in Boston together more than 20 years ago. And she is super, she's super funny and super smart. And she gave me a couple of, of notes afterwards, one of which was like, have you thought about bringing Rini on stage at the end for a bow, yes. for a curtain call, for at least, or even in, you know, I don't want to give away too much, but there's a part at the end that seems like we've actually discussed whether she might come on and, you know, actually uh, read a thing that is something that I read of hers. Yes. And uh, yeah. that would be interesting. It, it would. We, so we, ha we haven't tried that specifically yet, but, uh, but it's, it's in the works. Okay. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for asking. Okay. It's definitely because, you know, the show is in large part about her and co-created by her. It absolutely, like, you know, if it were, uh, if we if it was a theater production, I surely at least would, as they gesture to, you know, the tech people, the the pit orchestra, you know, the, the, every, the people who helped make this thing the thing that it is. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I can, I can picture it now. You're, you go, and hey, and you invite her out. The crowd gasps <laughs> that she's coming out. I mean, I really can see that happening. Yeah, like, that's... Because they've been hearing about your relationship for nearly an hour, and then you bring her out. I, oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I could Thank definitely, you, I could definitely, definitely see uh, that happening. It's happening tonight, whether she <laughs> wants to or not. We're, we'll definitely talk about it. <laughs> yeah, there you go. There you go. Uh, another thing that you uh, have out there now since the last time we talked is a dry bar special. That is so. Yes. When did you record that? Great. I recorded it before the last time we talked. Okay. Uh, so I was. it's 2023 as we speak now. I was last here in 2022, and I recorded that dry bar special in September 
of 2021. Okay. Uh, it was, you know, sort of the things had been opening up uh, since vaccinations uh, post lockdown. And that was actually the first flight I took. Um, I started, I think the first clubs I performed in, I drove to, I drove to the Arlington Draft House in Virginia in June of 2021. I drove, we drove to Kansas City and here, I, I drove, I was here in 2021, July or August. Yeah. And we drove, you know, from New York to here, you know, I think it's probably like 20-ish hours. And we drove back with a bunch of stops along the way. And then, uh, yeah, the, the uh, dry bar specials are taped in Utah. I had a college booked in Utah. And so that's what sort of came together uh, alignment-wise for the geographical. Uh, what am I saying? <laughs> I, I had a gig there, so I booked another gig there. Sure. And uh, that's, that's what I'm saying. And so, yeah, the dry bar special happened. Uh, we flew out there. I think Rini almost, uh, she got... Some it might have been like elevation sickness because Utah, oh. where we were, is like like you know they they call Colorado the Mile High City. I think that where we were in Utah might have been even higher than that. They don't brag. Uh, they call about Denver. It, Denver. Colorado is a state. Right. Uh, they call they call Colorado the Mile High City, and then people are like, do you mean Denver, the city in Colorado? Yeah, absolutely. That's what they mean. Uh, that's what they, they. I mean, they get it wrong sometimes. That's why I, I'm just doing an impression of people getting things wrong uh, pretty frequently. And uh, but yeah, so she we went to a hospital in. In Utah, which was the emergency room in U in Utah, like way uh, easier to get into than the emergency room in New York City. We, whenever we go, we've been to the emergency room in New York where we live a few times, and I, it might actually be faster to fly to Utah and go to one of their emergency rooms. Uh, got in right away. They the doctors were like, "This is COVID. It for sure. We're gonna be super surprised if it's not COVID. Every symptom that you have really seems like COVID." Did a test, came back, not COVID. Not COVID. Figured out. We're like, wow, this is great. Cause I, that was like maybe two days before the dry bar taping. And if she had it, probably I, you know, who knows? Sure. Uh, but, uh, it turned out she, she ended up being okay. She just, she rested. She got over whatever it was. Utah sickness. And yeah, Utah sickness indeed. <laughs> and yeah, then did the, did the dry bar taping. I think it was in Provo, Utah. Uh, September, and they were like, yeah, so we just, uh, we generally uh, turn this around and could be, we'll send you a draft, you know, kind of a, a version of, a rough version in maybe three months, maybe, you know, three to six months, and then they come out, you know, nine months, 12, you know, like, and then it was uh, more than a year and a half later, uh, I was like, I think, I think it's real. I think it's going to happen. But, yeah. Uh, but Does that mess with anything with you, you know, like timing out your material being out there? Does it, like, just what you just said, like, well, maybe it's three months, maybe it's six months, and then it's two years later almost. Did uh, that screw with things? Uh, no, it, it didn't for this reason. Thank you for asking. Thank you for your care. Um, the So Drybar, as as you know, I'm sure, uh, just for, for the listener, Drybar is so named because, uh, so my understanding of it is it's in Utah. It is not explicitly affiliated with the Church of Latter-day Saints, you know, G uh, Jesus Christ as well. I think he's in there as well. Uh, <laughs> what about the Church of Latter-day Saints, but no Jesus, like Garfield <laughs> minus Garfield? Yeah, uh, the Mormons minus Jesus. And uh, so that... The, the vibe of the dry bar specials is they are clean uh, of a certain caliber to a, a greater degree than even like, you know, TV clean. Like yeah. there are things you could do in a late night set on Conan, on Letterman that they in dry bar, they'd be like, mm, not, not, not for us, yeah. you know, and like even things as 
uh, I feel like this is very noteworthy. They're, they had guidelines. They had like a video you watch. So like, these are the things to, you know, uh, avoid in a dry bar special. Like obviously, you know, things like, I don't know, explicit drug references or sexual references, but even like a spouse talking negatively about their spouse in a certain way. They're like, that's our audience isn't a big fan of that. And I was like- Either sex? Uh, I think or, I mean, so. any sex, yeah. I should say? Yeah, thank you. Interesting. Yeah. I, I mean, I- I don't have a lot of material about my wife, right? You know, but uh, so I it didn't it didn't seem problematic for me at all to just you know I went through like Rini and I to prepare for this. We uh, on our actual on our drive back from here in 2021, we went through Chicago and then I think from Chicago to home, we listened to the five albums that I had released up until that point, um, up until up through. Uh, AKA, so it was from Vegan My Mel to AKA, listened back to all of them and were like, what jokes do I have that would be, that would fit the parameters of dry bars, you know, cleanliness. And uh, of those five hours, I think we found like an hour of jokes that I'm like, these, I think this would be perfect for them. They only needed a half hour. So I sort of whittled it down from that. So it wasn't that I had recorded this special that was like brand new material that no one had ever seen anywhere. And I want to get it out there, uh, to, uh, which I think is to your, to your question, if that had been the case, then perhaps I would have felt yeah. like, let, let's get it out there. I mean, here's the thing too. Almost every album and special that I've made has not come out immediately, uh, which I felt has actually been a boon of a sort. Like when I, my first album, Vegan My Mel, recorded in 2009, came out about a year later. By that point, I had, you know, I didn't have like a brand new hour, but I was like working on, like eventually by like 2012, I recorded the next album. By that point, I had like a couple new hours. Yeah. And I was like, oh. And so I did like two, an album in, and then a special the next year, two different hours. And then just every, and so that special too, like each one of those like was recorded in one, like 2012, came out in 2013, recorded in 2013, came out in 2014, which kind of, you know, it wasn't by design, but it was kind of like a, a bonus for me that like if people saw the special and came out to see me the next day, then they wouldn't see the exact same thing yes. that they had just seen. So it gave me that lag time. The fact that, I mean, I think there are comedians who are recording specials and then they get released, you know, like, uh, the next month, maybe, yeah. uh, who knows. And so I'm thankful that, uh, that that hasn't been, uh, the demand by the, the producers, the studios. Like, I mean, there's been more on the other end, like, like, will, will you put this out? We'll get to it. Yeah. Yeah. Eventually a year, <laughs> give us a year, a year and a half, whatever you got. I'm like, okay, well I'll keep working on the next, you know? Sure. And so I'm, I'm happy to have, you know, multiple hours sort of, you know, in rotation, like for right now, like this one that that I did last night. I mean, I'm happy to, I, I'm happy that I didn't have to record the special last night, but if that was the special, that could have been the special, you know what I mean? Uh, and it, as lo the more that I keep doing it, the more it keeps growing and the more I keep honing in on, you know, the ideal version of it. But, uh, but yeah, so the, the dry bar special is more like of a, it's like my cleanest hits, my greatest cleanest hits. <laughs> so it's, there's this Todd Barry joke I like. Uh, it's I'm paraphrasing, but he's like uh, in box sets. You know, it's like who are those for? It's like the person who's like, I've never listened to anything by Steely Dan. 
I think it's time I listen to everything by Steely Dan. And so with here's the thing is, obviously, if you're a super fan of mine, if you've listened to every comedy album that I've put out immediately when I put it out, then if you watch the Dry Bar special, there will be probably some familiar jokes, a lot of familiar jokes. Though there are some new moments, some different, uh, like, I realized, like, as I'm, because I've never did, you know, jokes that are in a 2014 production that I didn't do at the same time as some of the jokes from the 2010 release. Yeah, right? And I'm like, oh, these these actually, like, there's like a callback from like, you know, that's like a, a four-year leap. Uh, and I'm like, oh, that's that's a fun thing that, that I discovered fun, yeah. in the moment. So if you're, look, if you don't mind hearing a couple of the same jokes, you might get two bonus extra moments. <laughs> if, you, if, you, if you're a completist, you gotta have all the moments, then uh, then check out the Dry Bar special. But yeah, I'm, I'm just thrilled that it exists and that there are now, you know, so many more people who hadn't seen any of my work, aren't familiar with me at all, that now get, you know, this new inroad, this new gateway to, and to I, me. I, yes, and I saw, because you replied to my comment on one of them, that uh, you uh, read some of the comments that people leave. I do. Which can, which is a risky move, Mike, <laughs> right? <laughs> I am delusionally self-confident. <laughs> uh, it, it can be risky. You know what I, here's a, a process that I recommend that, it, I'm going to make a new connection that I had never thought of before. Uh, so I'm going to bring us back to uh, Aaron Judge, my friend, uh, who one one time years ago, she asked me if I would write her bio. Uh, she like gave me all the information that she wanted in it, and I was like, what a what a cool idea. We like because she's like, it's hard to to you know big up yourself. You know, it feels like not not humble. It feels weird to be like me, right? Here's what's good about me, right. but to do it for someone else, like to ask someone like that cares about you, that loves you, that wants to say nice things about you. Uh, I was like, that's what a, what a cool, what a fun idea. Uh, so I was happy to write hers. And I think I, uh, she wrote one for me in exchange. And uh, the reason that I bring this up now is I have some other friends who like when they release a new video, everyone's like, I don't want to look at the comments, but I will look at the comments for them. And I'm like, you know, one degree removed from them. So I look at them for them. And then I'll like just I'll edit out any of the ones that I think they wouldn't want to see. And I'll be like, or if I'm like, hey, they're all good. You can look, you know, or hey, here's one and here's one and here's one. And like seen through the filter of a loving editor, uh, a loving editor friend. So I I say that all to say, like, I didn't do that, but I uh, if I if I wanted to, if I if there were too many that were like, ooh, no, thank you. Then I would ask somebody else. I would deputize a friend to be like, can you look at these and tell me about okay, the good ones? OK, yeah. but but no, I, I went I raw dogged it this time. <laughs> raw dogging online comments. Yeah, OK, I want to ask you specifically about ones that like like this one specifically, please. It's because it starts off sounding like an insult. Uh huh. It started out slow, but went great after about a minute. <laughs> this guy is hilarious and profound. Okay, so it kind of starts off, and then your reply is fantastic. This comment started slow, but got great after about a second. <laughs> this commenter is kind and super appreciated. Thank you so much. <laughs> That's a wonderful reply. Thank you. But I mean, how. It starts off as kind of a, an insult. People don't know how to be <laughs> sometimes. Yeah. I mean, we're, we're all working on it. We're all doing our best in ways. Like, I think that especially 
in comedy, because there is, there are like these various sub-genres of comedy, like roast comedy and like comedy, you know, that insult comedy. And like when, when done by, you know, uh, sort of in consensual environments, like when you do a roast, hopefully you're there because you care about the person being roasted. You're invited because you, you have skills as a comedian and everybody's agreeing. We're, we're all going to use our skills to say mean things yeah. that are funny, that are hopefully funnier than they are. Like they're funny enough that it undercuts how mean they are. Like to hear Pete Holmes laugh in the way that he does when somebody like, you know, somebody who knows him points out something like that could be like wounding yes. about him. He'll say, ah, yes. like the, yes. the pained laugh yes. that is like such a, a bittersweet, a beautiful thing. And so that all exists in the realm of comedy when comedians are friends and comrades and in this together. And then people from the outside see that and they're like, I'll do it. You're bad. You're mean. You're stupid. Is, am I doing it? He's like, you are not quite doing it. <laughs> I, and I, here's the thing, I'm not always quite doing it as well. This is a joke that I, I don't do, I, I'm sort of in the works, but the very idea is that like I started out in Boston, you know, it's a small, cohesive comedy community. We had softball teams and we had uh, people would play like at our Texas Hold'em tournaments, after shows. It was just like a really tight-knit community. And within that community, there were, you know, there were your ball busters, your ovary busters, your various, you know, gonad busters of whatever gender. And, you know, your butt busters, your ghost busters, your dust busters, all kinds of busters, uh, which is also known as a scrub. And... <laughs> Technically speaking, uh, well done. if you know the vernacular, <laughs> well so uh, just trying to offer people some TLC, you know, uh, and so I, that's not my, like, that's not where I came from in comedy or in life. Yeah. And uh, I mean, I've been very fortunate to have lived a sheltered life and even in comedy, I guess. When I started, there was this uh, this web forum, like kind of before Reddit, before Facebook groups, the comedy studio, the club that I started at was... Uh, they had the comedy studio Kvetch board, they called it. It was just like this online forum and you could post shows and you could, you know, post comedy news and just different and just, you know, just messing around, you know, just like people having fun. And then people sometimes had like, uh, you know, anonymous, like they had names that they made up and so you didn't know who everybody was. And there was kind of like a, a razzing, a hazing okay. of like, it seemed like the people who were all, a, a you know, longtime members of the community, they knew each other, they, they busted on each other and and if you joined you might be like oh people are kind of being mean people are but eventually you're like oh this is just kind of the way sure. things are but then eventually eventually i was like oh i guess i've been kind of trained to be mean like it's in in comedy it is valuable to develop a thick skin like you're going to be on stage in front of audiences who probably like don't always love every single thing that you're going to say so it is important and i feel like maybe that was the motivation to be generous by like the older the more experienced comedians being like you got to learn how to how to take it yeah. when maybe it's like eh, maybe maybe you just uh, should have learned how to go to therapy you know but uh, or some combination thereof but so that in the beginning I was like, well, I'm just doing what other people are doing. And until I had a friend who was like, ah, we always make fun of this guy, right? And he's like, could you stop? And I was like, oh, I guess, uh, yeah, that, I don't want to make, <laughs> I want to make my friend feel good, not yeah. bad. And so 
but that was the thing is I I was like striving to model myself after I was like I want to I want to be a member of the community I want to play like everyone's playing but I would find myself and this is like the joke version of it but it wouldn't be too different than this you know people are you know be like hey your shoes are dumb hey hey you look at your face ah you got you didn't get enough sleep last night and then I would I would jump in raw I'd be like ah, and you're sad because your dad left right is that uh, and like that's not what we're doing we're not we're not is it oh we're not we're not actually they're like not 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 exactly like the middle path in buddhism you know what i mean don't uh, don't go the full way in either direction I got one more I want to please I want to point out here um let's see here I got logged out of my phone here uh <laughs> this one I like because um he's basically uh um using part of your act you could mm. say this guy was pretty funny or was he <laughs> oh yeah that's for sure that would be a weird thing if that guy didn't like the joke that he is yeah. referencing 100 yeah. yeah. um that's a great one referencing your joke to compliment yeah, you. Fantastic. yeah they're like not only did i see what you did there i did what you did there yeah, <laughs> yeah. that's great i did what you did there <laughs> yeah so what's that saying gonna catch on i did what you did there <laughs> <laughs> we're starting it right here right now i truly like i'm so grateful that there are people who, number one, watch what I do. Number two, like what I do. Number three, even thumbs it up. And then beyond that, to put a, a positive comment, like I feel like you could look at videos online that have like millions of views and you know hundreds, thousands of likes, you know, variously. And then you could look and they could still have a disproportionately like negative set of comments in the comments. And that's, I think, because the people who like it are less likely, they're just like, I'm having a good time, living my life. I like this thing, click, click and goodbye. Yep. On to my next I think you're right. enjoyable activity. Yeah. Where somebody else is like, I need to yelp, you know? I need to let you know what I didn't like. Oh yeah. Yeah, and yeah that's true. So I always, I do my best to keep that in mind and try to be tender. I was just, I joined Threads recently. Yes. Uh, and, you know, just uh, finally another place to put all the same things I'm putting elsewhere. Um, but there was somebody who wrote back to one of my threads. Like I put a silly joke, a silly joke. I say it on stage sometimes because I have this one poster from when I performed at this club, Bananas in New Jersey. And I'm in the poster. It's just like a, a cartoon of me with a banana as a phone, which I think is a funny, a, a classic, a comedy classic, the banana's a phone. And so look, a joke. I thought of it years ago. I uh, tweeted it at some point. And I'm like, oh, I'll put it on threads, you know? Here's the, and it's basically a fun thing you can do is, uh, take a whole bunch of bananas, put it up to your ear and say conference call. And look, I'm not saying it's the best joke that I've ever written. I'm saying it's the second best joke I've ever written. No. Uh, I think it's just a, a fun, silly thing. Yeah. And so somebody wrote back a thing that was like disproportionately, uh, like it was just mean. And he was like, and here's the thing. When, if somebody says something rude or inconsiderate on social media, I used to argue with them forever. <laughs> Uh, now I only, I'll go, I'll give them one chance. I'll be like, you know, the equivalent of like, hello, I'm a human being, you know? And if they double down and don't, you know, don't engage in good faith and don't respond, uh, like I'm a human being, yeah. then I'll be like, oh, well, I'm going to stop responding. And, uh, this one, I got to the point where I'm, I'm going to block, I'm going to block this person because they weren't, they were, you know, reading into things that I, and they were. Ultimately, it turned out they didn't care about that joke. They care. They were like, 
I used to be a fan of yours. Uh, uh-huh. And now, uh, ever since I learned that you're an ally to, and then they, uh, oh basically, they are, they, they said some transphobic things, and they're unhappy that I don't also say transphobic things. Yeah. And so I would, you know, things like, you know, people get to deter, like, I, I, I say things like, I, I know what my experience is like. You know what your experience is like. So I, I trust everybody pretty much to know what their own experience is like uh, regarding, you know, gender identity, regarding sexuality, regarding, you know, like, I don't know you. You you know you better than I know you. And that's basically all I'm saying. I'm not telling anyone how to live their lives in this way. Uh but this guy was like, he wanted me to be different than I was, but I am not different than I am. I am same as I am. <laughs> uh, and look, I mean, it would have been, I, here's the thing, I, a thing I have in common with, I wish that that person were slightly different than he was, but now the way that he is, the way that I could grant my wish of him being different than he was, was to no longer have him, he used to identify as guy who could message me, and now... <laughs> Now I identify him as guy who can't message me on this particular web platform anymore. I wonder, uh, getting, I mean, Threads has been out for a week and a half and already getting blocked. I mean, that's impressive. Really? You know? I mean, I, I think, here's the thing. I then, I, I just posted my next post as like, trans women are women, trans men are men. And if you feel free to block or unfollow or, you oh, know. Oh, I saw if, that one. Yeah, yeah. I saw that one. Yeah, that's good. And thank you for continuing to I see. I just yeah. moved on with my life because it didn't uh, yeah. upset me. <laughs> Imagine yeah. that. It's, it's so fascinating because, I mean, I, I consider myself a recovering argumentaholic and I do my best to like, I think there are times when it is important to speak up and, you know, make your case known and, you know, defend people who need defending. And sometimes like, I mean, I, what's that, that old, the, I don't know if it's a meme or a cartoon or whatever. Somebody's like, I can't go to bed because somewhere on the internet, someone is wrong. So somewhere there's someone oh, being yeah, wrong yeah, yeah. on the internet. Uh, and like, I understand that. I like, I have been in places where I'm like, but I, I can help, I can fix it. I can, I can do it. And, and again, I think it's another middle path kind of situation where it's, it's not that I, I can't do everything, but I also uh, won't do nothing, you know, like I'll put the energy to use as, as well as I can. You know, if, uh, if somebody is transphobic at me, I'll donate to, uh, you know, a, a, a cause that I think supports what I care about and that they would potentially be unhappy about, you know, nice. uh, not just to me. I want, I want everyone to be happy. I'll, I don't know if I've mentioned this. Uh, it's a, uh, maybe I tell this story every year on the, on the dot, but my friend Gus is a, uh, practicing Buddhist and a, uh, a, a DBT therapist, dialectical behavioral therapy. And he is a, a great listener, a kind human being, a thoughtful and wise person. He would not say that he is wise. I would, whenever I say that's wise, Gus, he's like, look, that's just, I learned that from somebody else. And I'm just like the transmitter, you know, like, I'm just like, there's like a source of water over there. And I'm just provide, I'm the hose, you know, and here just getting that wisdom water from over there to over here. I'm like, Gus, that's a very wise analogy. <laughs> he's like, yeah. But, <laughs> One time, uh, Gus told me that 
a politician had died. I don't know which one, but he, and he didn't, he hadn't heard of them, but someone told him this politician died and Gus responded as sort of a, a natural human response. He was like, oh, that's too bad. And then this person told him, actually this, the person that died was homophobic and racist and sexist. So maybe it's not too, and then Gus is like, oh, it's too bad then that they died before they got to see the error of their ways and could uh, repent and atone and make me meaningful amends and do constructive work moving forward, paraphrasing. But that was that was his legitimate, like that's, you know, uh, a trained Buddhist response perhaps, you yeah. know. Not to say that Buddhists are superhuman in any way. They are, they are potentially, hopefully, hardworking humans at, you know, bringing more love and joy into the world and helping decrease the amount of suffering. In fact, one time Gus told me he, uh, he's like, I'm kind of frustrated about something. I'm like, frustrated? But aren't you a Buddhist? And he's like, yeah, I'm a Buddhist, not the Buddha. I'm like, ooh, you got me. Okay, so uh, that I feel like that is my goal. I mean, we all are human beings. My goal is to see all human beings as human beings. You know, We are all sentient beings, like in the Buddhist paradigm, and I think that this is correct. We are all striving to increase happiness and decrease suffering, at least for ourselves, at least for perhaps then out of that, your family, perhaps your, your in-groups variously, your country, your community, your maybe your, hopefully, yeah, I I don't hope that aliens attack some some uh, year in the future or day or tomorrow or right now. But what? If, if I don't hope that aliens attack, but if they do, I do feel like there will be potentially uh, a world unifying event, like you know, like in as we saw in the documentary uh, Independence Day, uh, <laughs> where you know I, I still I do sometimes tear up when President Bill Pullman, my favorite president, uh, he's one of my faves. I, I have a couple faves, um, but when he says. Uh, the, this will be the world's Independence Day because everybody comes together uh, and it's sort of like, here's another, a, another joke of mine that uh, I haven't really put it in the act yet, but it's somewhere, I've tweeted it, put it on threads probably, uh, put it anywhere, anywhere you can see it, uh, except in my act, uh, but uh, it's gonna get there somewhere. But uh, you know, the idea that, that Jesus said, love thy neighbor. And then there are some politicians that are like, okay, let's get to work on gerrymanding this neighborhood so that we don't have to love everyone. Right. Yeah. We'll love our neighbors, okay? <laughs> but obviously the the meaning behind love thy neighbor is like love thy neighbor and everyone is thy neighbor. Like the Dalai Lama, I think said, be kind whenever possible, it is always possible. And so, you know, in Buddhism, they do recognize, you know, the teachings offer that when you're starting out, like you might not be able to love like a bodhisattva, which is, you know, sort of a, uh, a Buddha-like uh, being that continues, even though they have, uh, you know, realized these certain realizations in life, they stick around to help other people uh, have those realizations and eliminate suffering and increase happiness as well. And they say that a bodhisattva loves every sentient being the same way that a loving mother loves their child. And so, and they're like, and you might not be there immediately. You know, you might not be immediately able. So they're like, look, you could start with someone that you love as unconditionally as possible. It could be a pet, could be, you know, an animal, a cute animal, could be someone in your family, someone like, it's so like that start, you know, and you can be like, wish them happiness, wish them an end of suffering, wish them. And then like, and then why not, why not beyond that beloved group of people? Why not? How about some uh, neutral people? You like the, the person at the bodega, you know, the per like the various people you come across in your life that 
you see once and never see again, and you don't know them. You don't know them at all. But like, the trucker that uh, honked at me 90 times last night because he thought I cut him off, but it was his fault. A hundred percent. Well, that's, I don't know if that you feel, if that's a neutral category right now. <laughs> First, the neutral, that guy, if he hadn't done, all the other truckers that aren't cutting you off, all the other truckers or that you aren't cutting off, all the other truckers <laughs> that aren't honking at you, all the people that aren't honking at you, the people, I mean, whether that's neutral for you or positive. So you start with positive, neutral, uh, and then eventually, you know, next level, they'll be like, also, like, send love to the people who look, that guy's honking at you for a reason. And it's not you. It's not only you. It's, you know, it's everything else that happened in his day, in his life, in his childhood. If you want to go back to lives before this one, you don't have to. Probably there's enough in this life that led to him Probably. honking at you. And like, who among us hasn't at least wanted to honk at someone? People honk and it makes me want to honk at them, but I, well, I do my best. I just honk at them in my head. And I'm like, why are they doing that? Honk, honk, why, why, why? It's not helping. It's not helping anyone. Is this helping anyone? Is this helping me a little bit? I hope so, but so yeah, and the goal ultimately is to expand the neighborhood of care to make everyone, you know, I feel like it's a thing that most faith traditions have in common is that at the core of it, it's about, you know, love, compassion, forgiveness, everyone, everyone that you can starting, starting from where you are. When you come back next year, I'm going to bring a game show. <laughs> I need to start working on it as soon as possible. It's going to be quotes uh, and it's going to be multiple choice. Yes. Jesus, mm -hmm. Dalai Lama, or Gus. Ha ha ha! I like that a lot. And also, I'll tell you, here's a funny thing. I did years ago. I don't know who this was or where it was. I feel like it was an office in New York City somewhere. And it was like a comedy podcast, radio show, game show, something. Don't know what it was. The only relevant details is that I remember one of the games that was offered was uh, match, like figure out whose quote it was. And it was either Dalai Lama or Dolly Parton. Oh, and seriously? It, it really was. And here's the thing. At the time, like I have, bef that was before I familiarized myself with the life and work of Dolly Parton as much as I have and realized that she is, you know, as close to a literal walking angel on this planet. Like I truly at the at the time like it's so weird that Dolly Parton as when I was a kid really the only thing I knew about her was the size of her breasts was big because there were stupid jokes about it that she also like, you know, leans into and like, you know, she's like a, she's like a judo master. Or, like she's like a Tai Chi expert of like, look, if people are going to make fun of me, like then I'll, I'll be in on it as well. Like, but it's, it's foolish and I'm sorry to even raise that, but she is such a, you know, here's a, here, I'm going to say this and I'm going to say it into my recorder as well. Cause I want this, I think there's going to be uh, a joke that I will share perhaps on threads, perhaps on stage, who knows? Here we go. But, uh, I think perhaps the reason that, that Dolly Parton, uh, that her chest is like the focal point of so many people's attention uh, and its size is because I think she has the largest heart in the world. Uh, that she truly, like the every story that I see about her, like she, you know, contributed, like she was involved in the the vaccinations. Like she was True. had a, a hand yes. in one of the companies that helped people stop dying and getting sick. She had a hand in creating Buffy the Vampire Slayer, uh, like a company that she was either part owner in or what have you. Like she, I mean, obviously we all know she wrote Jolene and I Will Always Love You in a single day. Like that it's, it's, she, she's a, it's so beautiful. Like the Dolly Parton's America podcast is fantastic. And so I, but at this point I, I was just like, oh, she's just a lady that people make jokes about. And so I was like, oh, isn't that kind of weird?
weird that uh, Dolly Dolly Lama on one side, Dolly Parton on the other side. And now I'm like, there's one side. There's no two. Like what I'm saying, whoever that was, I think it was a well-intentioned game, but clearly they didn't know as much about, if you knew enough about Dolly Parton to know that she's not that different from the Dolly Lama. Amazing. Like just be like, who, which one said it? I don't know. They're both the, they're both very wise. Amazing. Amazing. Wow. You never cease to amaze me, Mike. Thank you, Justin. You're you're such a deep thinker and so good with words and so funny. Uh, I really appreciate it. Thank you for doing this once again. That's it? That's it? Oh, my God. We gotta gotta let people get on with their lives and do other things. We can't take up all their time audio and video-wise. Uh... People should follow you on social media. If they still have a chance, come see you at Acme. You're going to be doing shows at that festival with yes. the uh, name in Scotland I can't pronounce because Edinburgh it ends Fringe in GH. Yeah. It looks like Edinburgh. It sure to does. Me. Absolutely. And I have a hard time saying that. So uh, congrats on that. I really Thank hope you. that goes well for you. Um, a final thing that we didn't, uh, let's just give this like 30 seconds. You, uh, Heart, Brain, Art, Train. Yes. What is that? Thank you for asking. It is the new book uh, as of like the past month uh, that is a collaboration between me and my dear friend Ramin Nazer, who, if nothing else, follow him on all of the social media. His art, he is a visual artist, among other things. His art is beautiful. Like, if you like the things that I say and talk about, like his, he is like, we're not the same person, but we, there's an overlap of what interests us. There are beautiful, colorful, rainbow filled, psychedelic, uh, like philosophical pieces of art that he creates on his own. And then also uh, several years ago, I asked him if he would like to collaborate and he has illustrated uh, 75 or 80 of my jokes, thoughts, ideas that I thought would lend themselves well to his style. And so Heart Brain Art Train is that book. Uh, It is available when I'm doing shows and it is also on my website, mykaplan.com, spelled my weird way, M-Y-Q-K-A-P-L-A-N. And Ramin Nazer, R-A-M-I-N-N-A-Z-E-R.com as well. So feel free to order that book or get it from me if you see me. You are so loyal to your friends and his name gets mentioned nearly every time you're here. Mm. Um, and I think that that's just awesome. So I wanted to give that some attention because I've been course. following him for a while now. Uh, I recognize anytime I see his art, I recognize it immediately. Uh, oh, very yeah. cool. Thank so you. People should pick that up. Absolutely. Thank and you so much. Yeah. Let's do this again next year. I would love to. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to No Laugh Track Podcast, the show with a new comedian headliner every single week with me, the host, Justin Severson. The show is produced in the heart of Minneapolis's North Loop neighborhood at the legendary Acme Comedy Club. You can listen to us on Spotify, Apple Podcast, Podbean, and watch the video version on our official No Laugh Track YouTube channel. Wherever you are enjoying the pod, remember, drop a like, leave a review, and please tell your friends about the show. And most importantly... Come to Acme and see my show in person.